Okay, hi! All right, all right, all right. Thank you. Hello, it's me. It's me, Jake. I think this is episode 162. Uh, I think that's right. And it's my podcast. You are the listener. (laughs) Now that we got that straight, I'm Jake. You're the listener. Crank it up. Let's do this. Um, Hey, I am excited about this week's guests, and I am apologetic. Well, once again, it's let's begin this episode with the traditional apology for the tardiness of this episode, and the reason for that. What could it be? Well, it's undoubtedly my fault, and the fact is that I recorded this conversation several weeks ago when I was in Denver, and I had a chance to talk to John Novosad, otherwise known as AKA Hippie Man or Hippie Man, a.k.a. John Novosad. And uh, I had this conversation, and then it's just been inside of the machine. I've had some technical difficulties. I'll be honest with you. I have spoken with technical support, and I have mailed uh, a device to a place to be inspected and then mailed a new one back because even though I was slightly... Hey, big shout-out to the Zoom Zoom recorder people who sent me back a new thing, even though I was a week out of warranty. That's how the world works. You get a week out of warranty warranty usually, and then it's uh, too bad for your troubles, but not at Zoom. Those guys are good guys. Anyway, you don't... (laughs) Are you doing your own podcast? Why do you need to know that? I don't know. I just thought I'd tell you. Anyway, it's uh, it's a blustery day here in Los Angeles, the day before uh, the beginning of February. January, we've almost put this this first month of the year in the can. This goes by quicker and quicker, even though I'm shaving less and less. Hey, um... Thank you for listening. So we're going to get to John Hippie Man Novosad in a minute. But first, I thought I would tell you a little bit about what's going on with my gigs. Yeah, yeah, that's how that works, right? And uh, the deal is, I'm going to be in... uh, Well, I just... Shout out to everybody who came out in Columbus, Ohio. Um, And special thanks to uh, Dr. Chris Ryan for my last episode, which has been out there. Um, just for your pleasure for how long uh, have you been able to enjoy that but if you didn't get a chance to listen to that go listen to that um, he he has helped me uh, a couple of th- anyway what am I doing I'm telling you about the gigs that I've got coming up and I forgot I, I got distracted in the middle of what I was doing I forgot to tell you anyway look February 17th to 20th, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Acme Comedy Club. February 17th to 20th, Minneapolis, Minnesota. March 3 to 5, I'll be in Detroit, Michigan at the Comedy Castle. And this is all part of my How Much Winter Can I Stand uh, tour. And uh, that's all the winter I'm going to have. And then I'm March, mid-March, I'm going to be down to Australia. I'm going to be at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And uh, that's going to be almost all of March and April. Uh, or half of March and, and all of April. Uh, there's a link on my website, jakethis.com. So I hope to see you in Melbourne and uh, all of that. All of that. I'm, I'm still, I remain excited and anticipate and wild in anticipation about that show. Um, what to talk about this week at this beginning time. Uh, well, big thank you. So I have some pieces of paper for some, I printed out some emails. Oh, I know, I know. I'm part of the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, we're we're not getting any more rainforest. In fact, we're running out of them. But I don't. I'm pretty sure that these emails that I've printed out did not come 
They're not printed on the trees that were cut down from the rainforest. I'm sure, I'm sure we just burned those straight off the bat. Um, but anyway, um, I am going to be um, reading a couple of emails here. I, I want to say a big thank you to David from Scotland. I don't want to say your last name, David, because I didn't ask you about that. and I haven't emailed you yet to say thank you for this great email. But uh, he's loving the podcast and uh, he started listening from the beginning, which I do not recommend uh, because I feel like they've gotten better. But uh, yeah, he's he's lost in the wilderness of the beginning of the podcast, and he's really enjoying it. He finds me earnest and dignified, immune from fads, yet not uninterested. And I am interested in fads, um, except for butt chugging. Well, no, I'm 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 interested. I'll admit it. I'm interested in butt chugging. Scared to try it quite frankly. Anyway, thank you for, for to David from Scotland. Uh, we didn't get to meet when I was in London doing my stand-up comedy show, and I don't know when I'm going to get to Scotland. And in fact, what kind of a moron American thinks that uh, London and Scotland are adjacent? Well, it's the same kind of foreigner who thinks if you're coming to the United States and you're in Los Angeles, you should also go to Denver. Hmm, how about that? Anyway, thanks, David. I really appreciate the support. Also, uh, thanks to... Oh, man, what, what have I done here? Oh, I've got more pieces of paper. Here they are. <laughs> a little more, little souvenirs of the rainforest. Also, I want to say thanks to uh, Brandon. I just... Sorry, Brandon. It took me... I saw your email tag, but then I didn't want to read that. Anyway, Brandon, uh, he, he enjoyed episode 160, and uh, I think he, he enjoyed listening to my wife and the tribute to, um, <laughs> to the... Uh, to Queen. Oh my God. This is my wife wanting to call me in the middle of the podcast. Hey, honey, I'm just doing the podcast, so give me a minute and I will call you right back. Okay? Thank you. I <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that, Brandon. That was me talking to my wife in the middle of the podcast. Um, also, I wanted to say thank you. Hey, I've set up a thing on my website. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to the Amazon link and buy things on Amazon. And I'll get a little cut of that. It won't cost you anything extra. And it's a way to help out. I feel like you know about how that works. But if you don't, um, send me an email and I'll explain it a little bit more in another episode. I think I explained it in the last episode. Shout out to Chris Ryan who taught me how to do that. Um, but I also set up a button on the website where you can just make a direct don donation. And uh, I was very surprised that Michael from um, Massachusetts uh, is the first donor. Well, not surprised, Michael, because you're a generous person. I don't know you. I'm not surprised that it's you. I was surprised that anyone donated. I, I'm frankly, frankly, quite pleased. It's not free to make the. It's free to you, the podcast, but it costs me a little bit. So, Michael, big shout out and much gratitude for donating. And uh, I also haven't sent you an email yet to say thank you, but uh, I. That's in my plan of my cards of my plan, of my card plan. I've got a deck of cards with some of my favorite people on it. It's not like that army deck of cards with all the worst people of the Taliban. This is this is a favorite deck of cards. And so Michael and David and Brandon, you're, you're all in that favorite deck of cards. It's all dudes. Who knew? Hey, uh, speaking of dudes, my guest this week is John Novosad, hippie man. And <coughs> he's a very funny comic from Denver. Denver's got a great comedy scene if you've never been there. Um, and if you do go there, uh, check out the uh, Comedy Works and go see Hippie Man, John Novoset. He is so funny, and I am really grateful that I had this chance to talk to him and have him on the podcast. We were backstage just prior to doing a show, so, you know, it may we were both slightly distracted, and, as I say, there was an equipment uh, issue, but I think, I think we solved the problem, and I hope that you enjoy it. So, without further ado, here's Hippie Man, John Novoset. You can check him out at hippieman.com, 
and uh, or John Novosad on Faceback. 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 Is that a thing? No. I want my Faceback Facebook. All right, John Novosad. Here we go. Now, all right, it's on. All right. Hey, John. Hey. This is great. I'm so glad that you could do the podcast. Yeah, me too. It's uh, nice to see you again. Always fun to see you. Here in the Comedy Works green room? Yeah, my home club. Making it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, did you grow up in Denver? I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm a Boulder native. And still, you still live there? Yeah, I do. I, um, I rent an apartment there. I don't know. It's weird. It's a pretentious town, but it's where I grew up, and I really like it there. But it is pretty pretentious. I'm not going to lie. Well, like, how do you mean pretentious, though? Because it's so, it always seems to me like uh, you're saying pretentious, but it tries to be non-pretentious, right? Right. I mean, it's, um, you know, they're, they're definitely politically correct there. And um, I, I always say, and I'm, I'm talking shit about my hometown, but there's a reason why the homeless shelter is on the way out of town. You know, nobody, uh, nobody wants it in their backyard. I think everybody's kind of protecting their property values and stuff. And I've just noticed when I do shows there that it's almost like a, a joke by joke basis. You know, it's, um, if you get a little too edgy, they get a little weird there in Boulder. But I always thought, I always thought Boulder was, uh, supposed to be this progressive hotbed of, I mean, come on, you go by a hippie man. That's <laughs> yeah. I guess I mean it is on one level. It's very liberal there, but I I think also like I say, people are really uh, interested in in protecting their property values and that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of money in Boulder. I don't have it. I mean I'm I'm living on the outskirts of town, but but you know there's a lot of money there. Yeah. So has it always been that way? I guess it's always been a college town. Yeah, I think it has. Although. Uh, definitely in the last, say, 10 or 12 years, much more so. You know, a lot of money moved in from out of state. And the whole weed thing, I think, really brought in a lot of money, too. You mean, how, how, people, well, I mean, I know that you're making, Colorado's making money off right. of that. I think people just moving in to, to try to cash in on the, the whole weed thing. Like, it's supposedly, it's really hard to find light industrial space in Boulder, you know, like warehouse space and stuff, because... They're using it all for grow houses and stuff. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't know, because I don't rent light industrial, but that's what I've heard, you know, is that there's, it's hard to find that because it's all being used for, or a lot of it's being used to grow weed. But isn't it easy to, why aren't we just growing it outside? Because we can't grow it in the winter? Is that the idea? I think so. And I mean, it's, the weed has gotten so amazing, I, you know, and they use all these hydroponic techniques and everything now. It's, it's amazing. I, I'm like, where is the apple banana or something you know why aren't they using some of these techniques to create some kind of superfood or something but they're they're just making ass kicking weed is what they're doing they're using all their genetic plant skills on making more powerful weed yeah and i feel like weed was has been i quit smoking it because it kind of got to be too powerful years ago but now i've tried it i've tried again a couple of times but yeah. you've been with you've been smoking pot for the whole time I, yeah i i'm definitely a smoker i've I'm not into edibles and I'm, I don't like the dabs, which dabs is just like, it's this extract that they make that gets you really high for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, I don't need to get that high. I mean, the pot is so good. If I just crumple up a little bit of 
you know, bud and put it in a pipe, take a couple hits, I'm good. I don't need to get higher than that. And it has. It's gotten so much better over the last 10 years. What happens when you get super high for 20 minutes? Like, what do, what do you do? Then do you do it again 20 minutes yeah, later? Yeah, I like guess. That? I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like, and again, I'm talking shit, but it's like watching people smoke marijuana crack. I mean, they use a propane torch. They have a glass pipe with a little bowl on it and they they call it a dab because they'll take like a little dab of this oil and put it in there and then heat it up with this torch it's like watching somebody smoke crack so yeah they get high for like 20 minutes 30 minutes and then do it again it sounds a little creepy and is is that is that part of legalized marijuana oh yeah yeah it's totally legal um and i've never done it i mean people you know and i'm hippie man which is funny i was doing a show in casper wyoming and i i went with these people after the show it was you know couples and everything and it was cool so I go and I have some drinks with them at their house and they're smoking dabs. And I go, I've never smoked a dab. And this guy was like, uh, dude, I want to, you know, smoke the first dab with hippie man. And I'm like, sorry, it's not going to happen in a stranger's house in Casper, Wyoming. You know, it's just, it seems like a mistake. Yeah. I've, I've been to Casper a long time ago and it doesn't seem like the kind of place you want to be in trouble. Yeah, that's for sure. So I, I just have no desire to get that high, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you, but are you a person who, gets high enough that you can't function or are you always trying to be in that uh, zone where you I mean sometimes but the thing about smoking it is like if I get too high you know I wait 20 minutes and then I come down to a different level because you have a tolerance built up yeah and it's like I'm not into the edibles either because it's it's a total different kind of high right? yeah and it lasts longer um it's hit or miss you know you can't always get the same dose so I'm strictly a smoker. Yeah, I did a I did a thing when I was in uh, Seattle, and I I said, oh, they have uh, recreational uh, marijuana there, and I said, oh, I want to try something to see if it, it can help me sleep. Mm-hmm. And the guy who I was talking to goes, oh, well, you could just use some of mine, and I can't even remember the amount of milligrams he gave me, but it was like four times I realized afterwards what I should have taken. But I was so debilitated, like. I kept waking up and I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't even trust myself to stand up. It was like, uh, it was horrible. Yeah, that's that's no fun at all. And I, I really do suffer from sleep uh, or sleep deprivation or whatever. I'm an insomniac. And I had my card for a while. Mm-hmm. I, after, once it went totally legal, I let my card expire. But I tried all kinds of different strains that were supposed to help me sleep. And it just, it doesn't help me of, sleep. Of edible or smokable. Yeah, there's there's indicas, which are supposed to be more of a, body rush and that's what's supposed to help you sleep um but yeah it just it doesn't do it for me i get high and it's like my brain goes into you know extra mode and i can't sleep yeah i well they say with alcohol that it just helps you go to sleep but then it doesn't help you stay asleep Mm -hmm. and maybe it's maybe it's similar with pot i don't know i don't know but i'm always looking for that thing i just i would love to be able to go to sleep and just be asleep for eight hours and wake up feeling great. But yeah, that's my problem. I don't have any, I don't have any difficulty falling asleep, but I wake up after like three hours or four hours and then it's just tossing and turning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not into pharmaceuticals. My doctor gave me a prescription Ambien and I was like, I can't, I never even took it. Yeah. You hear stories about people waking up and they've eaten half a box of cereal or something (laughs) like, Hey, that's that's not good. Or they went (laughs) walking around their neighborhood and, I would probably smoke dabs in my sleep or something. 
I don't think you can do that. Well, you don't want to have a blowtorch around. <laughs> no, man. I, I don't mean, ever I don't want to have, have a blowtorch. Do you have a blowtorch? I don't no, have a blowtorch. I don't. I don't. I should never have one. Well, that to me is sober. the weird thing: is the the gear involved in being that kind of a drug user? Because you really feel like a drug user. When yeah. you get a blowtorch and a glass thing and a dab of something on the tip of a thing. Totally. There's you got to feel like you're in some kind of video. There's some. <laughs> this is don't. This is in the don't category. Totally. And I've done a few shows. You know, the one thing they don't have yet in Colorado really are like places where you can smoke legally in public, like a coffee bar, or a, you know, a bar. But there's a couple of private clubs where they just, they get around it because they sell tobacco or, or whatever. It's somehow they get around it. And I've done a couple of shows there. And I mean, like there are people in this audience smoking dabs while you're on stage. And it's like, it's not a good show. I mean, yeah, that sounds... they're just too high and it's, it's weird. Well, that's a funny thing because everybody always says, oh, when the audience is drunk, it's going to be better. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you hear the MC say some, the joke thing of like, the more you drink, the funnier we right. are. But it's not really true. It's mm -hmm. true for the first drink right. or two. But then after that, it's like now you're taking yourself out of the game. Yeah. Then you're just doing crowd control and just trying to squash hecklers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get to be hippie man? Let's go. Let's go with the origin story. All right. Um, I I started comedy a long time ago, like probably 1980, 1979 or something. I, got, I started in '82, so you started before yeah, me. And yeah, and I was just doing, you know, uh, there was a club in Boulder called the Blue Note that had a an open mic night, and I did that for probably two or three years, once a week on Tuesdays. But then I started working the road and I used to work this place in San Diego and there was um, uh, there was this place called Dead Headquarters, you know, not too far from there that just sold all kinds of weird tie dyed stuff. And like Grateful Dead Headquarters, yeah, like the pro they, shop for where you go to. Yeah, they sold paraphernalia and all kinds of tie dyed stuff. And I was married at the time. I got married in 85 and I brought a bunch of this stuff, you know, from Dead Headquarters. I bought a bunch and brought it back home. And how old were you? Oh man, uh, I was I was thirty years old, so I was like twenty nine or thirty, something like that. But still, that see that feels grown up when you're. I mean, I get it when you're twenty, twenty one, right. twenty three. You feel like you're you feel like you were grown up. You, I, that's how I felt. I started comedy when I was twenty one. I was right. living in an apartment, paying my way, and I felt like an adult. But when I look back on it now, and how many times I've changed into another person, and the stuff that right. I thought was like, this is my great idea. I'm 29 years old. I'm just going to wear this tie-dye stuff all the time. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Well, and what I thought was, um, I came up with the name Hippie Man, and I thought, you know, it'd be funny to have like a tie-dyed superhero mm -hmm. who's Hippie Man. And so then I had all this stuff that was tie-dyed, and they had leggings and stuff that were tie-dyed, and I bought that, and I had, <laughs> excuse me, tie-dyed socks. And so then I got tearaway clothes, you know, so I was wearing all this stuff underneath. And I, I had told my wife before I got the tearaway outfit, you know, I was like, I want to do this. It was funny because she's like, you'll never do it, which really motivated me to do it, you know. So. And how, at what, what job did you have at that time? So you were married, newly married, you're young. Yeah, I was working um, part time. Well, I was working, I guess, pretty much full time, but still doing some road work. Uh, and I worked in a warehouse, you know, just um, actually for... A, in Boulder? Yeah. A, a, that was back when you could get a warehouse space. Right, before they were growing weed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because this place was called Krupp Mail Order. It was like a head shop through the mail. So we sold like underground comics, bongs, all kinds of stuff. That's what the Tommy Chung got busted for. I was know. Doing and, that. That, and that's what eventually 
the owners of this place didn't get busted, but they eventually got shut down because they were shipping across state lines. And so then they had trouble, you know, getting supplies in from manufacturers out of state and they got in trouble. I don't know how much trouble they got in, but enough that they, they decided that they had to stop the business. Um, so, but I, I worked there at the time and then I just, I went to a seamstress and got tearaway pants and a shirt and everything. So you're getting a suit that looks like a regular suit, a straight right. businessman suit of clothes. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go on stage and then Velcro tear it off like basketball right. players tear their pants off. Totally. And I'm wearing like tie-dyed tights and a tie-dyed t-shirt. And I had a cape, you know, uh, uh -huh. tucked away in my sock. And I did that closer as a feature for years. Man. How long had you been doing comedy? So you've been mm -hmm. doing comedy a few years before you got this suit. Yeah, I'd probably been doing comedy like six years. Before I got the suit. And so you'd be on stage doing your whole act, like 25 minutes, mm -hmm. with the hippie man outfit underneath, and just tear off your suit suit right. at the last Yeah, five that was my big closer. Yep. And I had, you know, a music cue. I used to do hippie, hippie shake. And then I uh, switched to trucking for a while. And then I would, um, and it's funny because I almost got my ass kicked. And I'll tell you that story in just a second. But what I would do, what I would lay down on the stool on stage, pretend like I was flying, you know. And then I had a joke about, wow, hippie man hurt himself and he was flying there. Don't be looking down here. And I pointed my crotch and I had like a red, white and blue bandana. And I put that over the crotch, you know, and I go, that's one of the few superhero, superhero powers I have. I can tell when people are checking out hippie man's package. And I had a joke about running up the old flagpole, that kind of stuff. I'm in Gillette, Wyoming, working with my friend Bob Metals. And I was selling CDs at the time. And I do the show. I do the big closer turn into hippie man, fly on the stool, put the red, white, and blue flag over my crotch. And this guy comes up after the show, and I think he wants to buy a CD. And he was pissed, man. He goes, you put the American flag over your dick. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And, he, and I'm, I'm watching his hands because I'm like, this guy's going to punch me, you know? And he's like, you put the American flag over your dick. And I go, sir, look, if I offended you, you know, and I, what I wanted to say to the guy was something totally different, but I knew I'd get my ass kicked. Te let's say, say what you wanted to say to that guy. I would, I, How many years ago? This is uh, this 20, 30 years ago. Maybe right? 15, yeah. something like uh -huh. that. And he said that he was in Iraq, you know, in the first one. And I wanted, what I wanted to say was you went over there and fought so I could put the American flag over my dick. But I knew I'd get my ass kicked if yeah, I said that. People don't understand that that's the freedom of speech. The, right. The, what the flag is a symbol for the freedom to burn the flag if we want. That's, that's yeah. what's great about America is that we allow free speech here. And people don't really. They don't get it. You can't make that point, especially when they're mad. When they're yeah, mad. And it's like, drunk. look, I'm, I'm. I want to be proud of America too. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to be disrespecting America, but you know, you're sort of going out of your way at the comedy. Like I'm hippie man. Yeah, exactly. And I, what the other thing I wanted to say to him is how do you feel about, you know, a, a buxomy beautiful woman wearing a red, white, and blue bikini, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're probably okay with that, but it was, you're fun. in the, you're in the tie dye outfit when you're having this argument. Well, with Well, right? actually I put some clothes back on over it, but I okay. think I had my, uh, jeans on but I still was wearing a tie-dyed shirt and it's funny because my friend Bob Metals was standing behind me and he saw this whole interaction with this guy and I just kept going look sir you know I'm sorry if I offended you and I said that like three times and this guy was drunk finally I got pissed and I go look I don't know what else to say to you I've apologized to you at this point all I can ask is for you to forgive me and right then his buddy came and just kind of grabbed his elbow and um you know, took him away. And then Bob, who's, you know, 
bigger than me. Um, he goes, well, you're not really an imposing person. No, I'm not. Take that no, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. And did you have the hair that you have now? Oh, yeah, then? yeah, so, totally. So, you, so <laughs> like, when you're in the suit, you still look like something's going oh, yeah. on. This guy doesn't belong in this suit. You've got yeah. the long hair. And, right. Yeah. I've got that unique look. Um, so, so what does Bob say when the guy Bob gets... says, he goes, John, I was going to jump in there, but he goes, you were doing such a good job of talking him down. I was afraid that if I got between you guys, it was just going to escalate into a bar fight. And I think he was right. It probably would have, you know? Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, I was headlining the downtown comedy work the next night and all I could think about, I was watching that guy's hands when he was talking to me, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to headline with a big ass shiner, but he never threw the punch. You know, I, I knew I wouldn't beat him, but I was like, maybe I can dodge this punch. That's all I was thinking about. When yeah, I was talking man. To it, it's so weird when you're in those situations with somebody after the show, who's mad and you're in, and you know, you can get caught up in that emotion, but I'm, I, in retrospect, I always want to wish that I had said, like, we're at the laughy, happy place. Yeah. You know, I'm the silly man. So if you're mad at me for something, that is a complete accident on my part because I am not trying to make anybody yeah. mad or engage anyone. I don't have the kind of act where I'm trying to engage anyone in some kind of thoughtful debate about freedom of speech. I'm just trying to make people laugh. Yeah, I mean, that's the way you're I felt on about it. stage horizontal in a tie-dye <laughs> outfit with a cape right laying on a stool yeah pretending like i'm flying you know and it's like come yeah on, like man. how hard is it to get in an argument in wyoming that that's the guy you gotta pick on man no kidding and the funny thing is is that now i really i'm thinking about because i don't do that closure anymore i'm not a hippie act i really am thinking about just dropping hippie man and going back to john novacet i think i'm going to stay that's what I've, I've decided to do this year is on the road. I'm just going to be John Novoset in Denver, Boulder. I'm going to be Hippie Man because I'm pretty pretty well branded in this market as Hippie Man. But I, I just, Well, you can combine. Put your name in yeah, there too so that people true. can kind of learn who you are. Right. Make it sound, yeah, like I could do a wrestling joke that I'm John Hippie Man Novoset or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's weird because I really just... So how do, you, how, do you, how do people spell your name if they want to Google you right now? They um, can't stand it. Yeah, H-I-P-P-I-E-M-A-N. No, real, no, oh, no, my the, real other, name? the other, the yeah. other, N-O-V-O-S-A-D. Yeah, John Novosad. Yeah. And it's funny. J-O-H-N. Right. Yeah, traditional yeah. John. That's spelling. funny, I spelled hippie man. <laughs> <laughs> Did but, you not? You're telling me, are you trying to get me to believe that that's the first time you've done that? <laughs> Because I don't believe that. No, no, it's not the first time. I okay. Guess. Some people they'll go with H I P P Y. You know that's why. Mm. That's more of a that's more of a kind of a hip your hips right man as opposed to mm -hmm. hippie man. But it is funny because I'm just like I, I just think about it. I'm like I I do a couple of pot, I do a couple minutes of pot jokes in a 50 minute set. But I you know I'm not a nostalgia act. I'm not a pot act. Right. It's just more like kind of what you look like and you kind of have this. Uh, uh, not spaced out, but you, yeah. you know, you're still like what I'm doing. You're, you're trying to fit. We're trying to figure it out. We're right. trying to figure it out while we're talking about it. Totally. But, uh, yeah, it's gotta be weird then to, to leave that behind. Cause you've been hippie man. Since I've been forever. A, yeah, like for I didn't even know your real name Yeah, for the longest time. It is funny. It is kind of weird. And, and I mean, I go back and forth, you know, but, but I really thought about it and I'm just like, I'm going to see what happens. It's funny. Cause I'm a member of aftra and sag because i'd done a couple of tv things and on my card it says hippie man i don't know how they did that but they they send me stuff as hippie man awesome can you cash checks made out to hippie man i don't know i've never tried i mean I so always, they don't send your checks yeah they don't to send that. yeah they, they send to, to john okay, novacid yeah 
But that, that would be interesting to see if I could cash a check as hippie man. Yeah, I would love. You, you got to show. You got to have the breakaway suit. Like, yeah. no, I'm not kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. really me. That's pretty funny. Uh, and what is it? This is an interesting thing because I was talking to a guy. And this would be years ago now, but he was trying. He was saying he was a hippie. He goes, "I'm a hippie," but he's a fan of Rush Limbaugh and all of this other right. kind of stuff. It's like, w what do you mean you're a hippie? I think he thought he was a hippie because he liked to smoke pot or he ate organic food or something. But uh, I, I feel like hippie means something completely different to guys who are from an older generation. Yeah, well, and I think it's hard to define what a hippie is. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I don't live in a commune. I'm. I'm liberal. I'm crazy liberal. So I mean. Do you believe in socialized medicine? Do you think that we should all have health care? Uh, I, yeah, I do. I have to say I'm all right. crazy well, that way. If but... you believe that, then you really should not also wear a flag over your genitals because when you combine those two things, it can be very confusing. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I have a patriotic penis, but I'm a, I'm a socialist at heart. Do you have any tattoos? I don't have any tattoos. I, just, I would just love it if you said, yeah, my penis is red, white, and blue. It's, it's got, a, got a flag tattoo that, on my that's penis. That's what I should have done after that guy talked to me. Was I don't think you can get your penis tattooed. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't want us to please, if you're listening yeah. to this, do not uh, Google tattooed penis. That's for sure, yeah. I, if I was going to get a tattoo, it would not be on my penis. But No, where would you get a tattoo? I actually... I would get it on my shoulder and I would get the Superman emblem, but just an H instead of an S, you know? But see, you, you don't want to stop being yeah, a Yeah, I know. That's you the, don't it's like stop. this weird thing in my life. And it's mm -hmm. funny because I don't have a fan page. I just have a regular Facebook page. They literally blocked me out. I was hippie man and they blocked me out. Facebook did and said, I had to communicate with them on this dashboard thing. And they said, you're not using your true identity. And I was like, come on. Were you able to connect with anybody there about, you need to get in touch with whoever's in charge of spam page or celebrity page and communicate to them, look, I have, this is actually my identity. Right. Because I had that thing, yeah, I've had, I've had issues with similar kind of stuff. Well, and they let drag queens use their stage name, you know, because there was a big thing about drag queens in Facebook and it was like a safety issue for drag queens because if they use their real identity, you know, some people would be upset about that, I guess. So they oh, like, people can stalk them. So but yeah. if they're just sparkle, then right. Yeah. yeah. How can they find them? You know, well, you just have to go to the gig. I just have to become a drag queen, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, they literally they block me out. And if I wasn't a comic, I would have told them to take a hike, you know. But I mean, I get a fair amount of work through Facebook. People message you and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, I finally was like, OK, I'll be John Novoshead and use Tippy Man as my nickname. If you weren't a comic, it would be weird that you were going by Hippie Man. Yeah, that I mean, would that be, would be, that'd be that pretty would be weird. It. They would probably be in the right then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that their idea, you know, from their standpoint is like, this is not your real identity. So you're trying to, you're trying to be uh, anonymous and have people not know who you really are. Right. And they don't really understand. No, I'm actually, Hippie Man is more who I am than John Novoselic. Yeah, and I mean, I even sent him a link to my website, which is hippieman.com, and it says, you know, the comedic home of John Hippie Man Novoselic. And I was like, come on, you guys, and they didn't care, man. It was just like, and that's funny, because then 
that made this all happen like two years ago. Mm-hmm. That made me double down on hippie man. I do have this paradox in my life about what do I want, you know? You're not an aggro guy, but if you when when you get wronged, you kind of go Billy Jack on him. Yeah. You just can't let it go. Yeah, it made me mad. I was like, why are you guys screwing around with me? Billy Jack. I can't believe I just did a Billy Jack reference. <laughs> um, so somebody's coming into the green room. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Thanks. Yeah, we're doing a pod, pod talk chat. <laughs> That's we're in the green room. They're coming in to see if we're okay. Yeah. That's how awesome the comedy works is. That's right. Is they come in and check on you. It's an hour and uh, it's an hour till showtime. Right. And, and they want to know if we're okay. Us. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. That's that's what makes America great. Well, that's what makes this place great. Right. There's a lot of clubs. They don't they don't ask if you're okay. You're yeah. flying home and nobody's asked you yeah, if you're okay. Yeah, no kidding. They're paying you and they're not asking if everything was okay. Yeah. Here's your money. I'm kind of, we're trying to figure out a way not to have to have comedians. Yeah, exactly. So I always thought that, uh, I always thought that Hippie Man was much more of a kind of a, like, inner identity thing with you and not, that was not just like this joke idea that you, you it was completely coincidental that you went to this Grateful Dead pro shop and bought all this tie-dye stuff. And then my wife said, you'll never do it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I will. Um, yeah, I don't know. I She's mean, your ex-wife now. Yeah, she is. She, yeah. I've been divorced for a long time. Yeah, she didn't believe in you. She didn't. She didn't believe in the hippie man. So, but... Um, when you're on a vision quest... Yeah, man. You've got to let go of some people who are That's trying right. to hold you back. That's right. Don't rain on my parade or I'm just going to keep on moving on. You no, know? you're a rainbow. <laughs> yes, I am. So um, then, how, what, you've sort of you've sort of always been around since I've been coming to Denver and always been funny. But it seems like recently you've really kind of had a a big kind of uh, popularity or renaissance surge. Or do you, do you, is there something that you're doing different nowadays, or what's going on with you? Uh, I mean, or does that even make sense? What I'm saying? No, it does make sense because I I mean I was a regular here at the Comedy Works for years and years. And then after I got divorced, which would have been like 96 or 97, I was really working a day job hard for about eight or 10 years and just doing, you know, a few shows here or there. Uh, and I, I mean, I had gotten away from this club so much that I wasn't even on the list anymore. You, you were know? out doing the road and work, doing paid yeah, gigs and, and doing your day that, job. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, but you know, I, I just, I got laid off from that job and then that's really what changed things for me uh, because then I was like I might as well do this full time again and I really that was like 11 years ago. So you were doing it full time then did you just get this day job that turned out to be pretty good and, and it kind of just dumped your yeah, energy into I, it? Yeah I mean I was always good at like when I was home from the road I'd work temp gigs you know mm-hmm. to make money I mean I was married and I just felt like Rather than just sitting around the house, you know, I would... It's hard sometimes, I feel yeah. like, for my wife to get that, like, right. look, no, while I was gone and you weren't seeing me, I was actually working right. and paying the bills, and now I'm home, and so this is when I'm going to read a book. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I was doing a lot of feature work then, so not making as much money, so I would work temp gigs, and then this uh, company offered me full-time work, and I said, no, it was warehouse work again, but not in the uh, paraphernalia of business is actually wheelchair seating accessories like comfort devices for wheelchairs Com- I, what's a comfort device for a you wheelchair? know it's just like um cushions and backs uh-huh. that, that are better than just the sling kind of thing yeah yeah and also if you had like 
you know, some sort of dysplasia or something, it help you, you know, ma uh, maneuver a leg a certain and direction. what was your job? What were you doing? I was just, I was doing, I worked in the Velcro room and I was... <laughs> <laughs> well, and you got experience with the Velcro because you got that tearaway suit that yeah, covers yeah, your hippie Yeah, they knew it. They saw me and said, this guy knows Velcro. What goes on in the Velcro, Velcro oh, room? It's crazy, man. You have these foam parts and then, you know, there's hook and loop Velcro. Mm -hmm. Sure, so, I know what Velcro is, right. but all of our listeners, right. maybe they don't. Yeah, do you have I, a I detailed explanation of the Velcro? the whole thing, but... To, but we would literally adhere these strips of Velcro onto these different foam parts mm -hmm. that would go, you know, onto a wheelchair. And you'd sit there and you work with this weird chemical, you know, wearing gloves. The adhesive? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that for a long time. Do you think that affected you? Probably. I think it did. Um, <laughs> was it fumy? Yeah, it was. And they had ventilation and stuff there. But then I got out of there and I was working, you know... Um, in another area, which was basically assembling these products. There were all kinds of different products. There were backs, there were cushions, uh, all kinds of different things. And so I worked there for a number of years, part-time, and I would still go out on the road. And then after I got divorced, I started working there more full-time. And that's when I was only, I was only doing like 25 or 30 shows a year for probably seven or eight years, you know? Uh -huh. And then I got laid off. And they treat the company treated me really well. They treated me like a full time employee. I was a product of NAFTA. They moved the production facility from Boulder, Colorado to Tijuana, Mexico. So I was a product of NAFTA and they gave me a really sweet severance pack, you know? And so then I was like, I might as well start doing comedy again full time. I contacted Wendy and said, Hey, I'd like to start signing up again and she was great. She goes, You know, I'll just start you off with some five and ten minute sets. But it didn't take long. I was back on the schedule. You know, and then had a, a home club again and just started working the road. And I think that's really what made the difference for me was then I realized how much I really love to do it. And I, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, the travel and everything else gets weird, but I love doing the shows. And that's what has made the difference in the last, you know, say five, seven years, man. I just realized how much I love doing these shows. And I really feel lucky in that sense that, you know, I'm a 60 year old man. And I still feel that, you know, there's, like I've, I would say it this way, I'm, I'm either happy or delusional, but either way I'm happy because I still see the potential and I still believe in myself enough that, you know, that I'm going to get that, that next thing. And Well, even if the next thing, even if the next thing is just a full enough calendar next year that you don't have yeah. to have a day job. I mean, I always tell people, you know, and interviewers like to ask you like, wait, what's the... What's the best? What's the best day of your career? The coolest thing right. you ever did, and it's like the day you quit your day job. The when you're when you're full time and you're doing shows, and 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 there's shows for audiences that you like. I mean, right. I I do kind of say to younger comics like don't don't quit your day job if you've got to work these terrible bar gigs and hell rooms. Oh, because, those are the worst because they're not going to help your act get better. Some of that is good for your skills to do right, it for a, for a while, while to kind of get to know it, but. If you're doing that all the time, it's going to tear away your soul and you're going to do things to succeed in those rooms that are going to make it so that you're not as uh, viable in an act in other places. Totally. And that was one of the things like in the, um, you know, late 80s and early 90s during the, you know, the so-called boom, I, I wasn't in the clubs. I was doing one nighters and weekends and that it tears you up, man. I was driving from Colorado to Michigan, you know, two or three times a year. And then go and do like a two or three week, three week run, but you're just 
I mean, you know, you have a Monday and Tuesday off. They don't put you up. You Then you're like, do I sleep in my car? Do I get a hotel? And I, I was like, I'm not going to sleep in my car. I just drove, you know, yeah, 1,200 so you miles. That's physically going to wear you down. And then yeah. some of those shows were in places. I mean, it was the comedy boom. But, like, now, the funny thing now is the crap, there's, there's, there's gigs that don't pay anything. So they're not good because they don't pay. But the audiences are awesome. Right. You know, like you, we were just talking before we started talking about uh, these gigs in L.A. And every comic has got his pet neighborhood mm-hmm. gig. And they usually don't pay anything. And half the time you walk in and you go, this used to be a terrible. When I started out, if I walked into right. this place, it would be, this is, I'm glad I'm getting my $200 or whatever. But now you walk in there, you're not getting anything. But the audience is hanging on every word. And they're like, thank you for coming. And yeah. we had such a good time. So there's, there's, we're missing a happy medium in there somewhere. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's the same here in Denver. There's, you know, the younger generation, and I hate to sound like an old guy, but they have so many shows and they asked me to be on the shows and it's great. Like I was saying to you before we started this, I can get on stage, you know, pretty easily knock on wood five nights a week when I'm home and then go out on the road and do six or seven shows over the weekend so I can stay sharp, make a little money in Denver. But I mean, that's and that's when I, you know, like I say, I realize how much I love doing the shows. And that's why I can, you know, put up with the other stuff that isn't quite as nice. But the shows are great, you know, and it's the challenge of writing and, you know, doing your own material on stage is what really keeps driving me. It's it. And it's it is fun to be on stage. And I think your act is so great and you're so much fun to watch. And I encourage people who are listening to this to check you out on the Internet and go see you live if you're coming anywhere near where they are. But how do you feel about, you know, uh, I'm not that much younger than you, slightly younger than you, and I feel like I'm 55. So when I'm uh, on stage, it's hard. I remember when I started and guys who were our age were like old guys, like, (laughs) oh, those guys are still going on stage doing their thing. And that, that vibe has changed now. And I feel like it's changed from the audience's perspective, too. You know, the old way of perceiving it, you know, for club bookers would think, oh, they, our audience is such and such, is 25 to 45. Right. And so they want to see comics that are in that age group. And I feel like now, I mean, you're as entertaining to a younger crowd as somebody who's in their age group, really. I think when I watch you, and it seems like when I'm looking into the audience of the faces of people who are in there, because comedy clubs now get a broader age range than right. they did when, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it was really a lot more people in their 20s and 30s mm-hmm. and people in their 40s and 50s weren't going out as much but now the age range goes from 20s up to 70 year olds sometimes yeah and i mean i i do pretty well with the younger crowd you know definitely my sweet spot is probably baby boomers but i do good i do fine with the young crowd and one of the things that i decided was that i really don't address age i mean i have one joke about getting older but i don't talk about it yeah, you know? I've been talking about it a lot, and I've and I've been thinking, I'm I'm kind of ready to get away from that because I I do feel like it it it's interesting to people who are younger, but it also kind of puts they they think about you in a way right. that's that's not really as good, it's not productive because you want to be you want to be a person a respected person who's talking about yeah whatever, whatever you want to talk yeah. about and it's funny because I've had a couple people approach me about doing I don't want to use the word senior but you know talking about doing some kind of a tour of older comics and I'm just I'm not interested in that I don't want to do a tour of older comics but I do have a friend who goes down to uh, Florida and does these uh, they're not uh, 
they're not senior citizen centers, but they're mm -hmm. retirement communities where you've got to be like 45 or 50 to, to live there. Right. And uh, he says it's pretty fun because uh, they have their shows at like 530. That's hysterical. <laughs> and so, and, the, and so they're all up for it. They come out, they see the show. It's like a nightclub show. Everybody has a good time. And then he goes down with his wife and they go out and see a movie. So they can do the show, then right. go out to dinner and yeah, they're done have, by like seven or seven thirty. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of cool. So that sounds like it would be fun. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not into that. The old guys of comedy yeah. tour. I mean, it just seems ridiculous, and it also seems like the the audience doesn't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, unless you know, if I was like uh, some famous comedian who grew older, and then they wanted to see me because I was on, you know, whatever, one day at a time or something, then I can see it. But for me to just bill myself as like. This guy's been around forever and he's still around. I mean, I don't know. It just, I would just assume, like I say, stand on the merit of my material. And if I talk about being older, that's great. But, you know, if not, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, so you don't, you don't have any other kind of aspiration to, to, do you want to do a TV show or would you like to do anything, anything like well, that? Well, I mean, it always comes back to stand up for me. You know what I mean? Like, I would, I would want to do a TV show, um, and it sounds weird. Well, it doesn't sound weird. I, w I would want to do a TV show to get famous so that I could go and work A Rooms. That's kind, of where, that's kind of where I'm at, yeah. too. I mean, I would love to do it if it was, if it was a fun thing to do. Right. But the main, the main reason now that I see that comics who've done TV, the thing that they got out of it is that now, they, now they're going on tour. Right, know? yeah. Even a, guy, even a guy like Bob Saget, who's had a great career doing some cool stuff on TV. I mean, mm -hmm. it must have been fun to be in yeah, yeah, Full two things House going all once, those years yeah. and, and then America's Funniest Videos. But Bob is so funny and so different from what people think he is right. on from those shows. But now he's going on the road and doing, you know, it's, he's taken all these years to kind of circle around to be able to do what I think he really would have loved to be doing before. Yeah. Not I, to put words in his brain. No, but, that, but no, that that's true though, you know? And I mean, it does come back to stand up. I remember like, watching uh, Bring the Pain, Chris Rock concert video, which mm -hmm. is like one of my favorites, probably second or third all-time favorite concert video. And the, the DVD that I had, had an interview with him, and the guy was like, I can't remember who interviewed him, but the guy said, what did you expect to get from Bring the Pain? And Chris Rock was like, well, you know, the industry already had a pretty good look at me, and I, I was like, I don't know how many more times I'm gonna, you know, get a chance, and this was obviously before he really blew up, uh, this, you know, after Saturday Night Live, but he goes, what I wanted to get was, and I always use it as like a checklist. He goes, I want to work A rooms, I want to fly, I want to stay in hotels, and I want to stay in condos, and I don't want to do radio. And I was like, man, that's you know a pretty good checklist to have there. I know it's so funny because I listen to these motivational uh, things, or you know, these there's podcasts where they're kind of giving you advice to how to kind of really turbocharge your efforts and stuff and they're always talking about you got to set these giant goals mm -hmm. but i'm much more of like like that goals i, I just i want to keep doing what i'm doing in yeah. front of sold out crowds so that everybody's happy to see me the next time i come back yep that's you know? it you know and i mean like if i could if i got a role in a in a tv show or whatever it was you know that facilitated that great you know mm -hmm. so that's that's the way i see it what about what, would you ever get married again? Man, that's a good question. I don't think I would. Um, I spent 15 years with the same woman. We lived together for like four years and we're married for 11. And it was good. I mean, I don't regret it. I don't stay in touch with her. 
Um, well, you guys didn't have kids. I think no, people we, who have kids are forced into that. Right. You have to stay in touch, and then maybe they stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have kids, and so that made it easier. Um, I could see myself in a monogamous relationship, but I don't know that I would ever sign the papers again. You know? Yeah. Was it, it because of the complications of getting? Except that nowadays, you, you, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, if you're cohabitating, yeah, you that's can wind true. up being right. common law married anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. not that not that you're trying to avoid some responsibility, but I do feel like, boy, the the government's idea of what a fair split up is sometimes right. doesn't always jive with. Yeah, well, and it, it's funny because I hadn't even thought about it in terms of that. Although, uh, you know, in terms of splitting stuff up, but I guess that does factor in because it did get really pretty ugly when we we owned a house and it, you know, yeah. it got pretty weird. Um, which is that's a weird thing too because you're like, man, this is someone that, you know, I spent all this time with and loved so much, and now it's like, fuck, you know, to have it go wrong. Yeah, I, mean, I and think it it's really think, ugly. You know, yeah, you kind of get why people get resentful of each other because just the loss of that like this is what we thought was going to happen and now this is what's actually right. happening and you don't want to take responsibility for that or one doesn't want to take feel like oh yeah it's on me i'm the person who right. tore this all down so you want to you kind of oh no you're the other person is the asshole i'm not the right. asshole. i would say you know my marriage was like a broadway show we had a good long run and then when the curtain went down there were a few tears and we went our separate ways, you know? Mm -hmm. But it is weird because I do not, I, I, we just don't stay in touch. But it, like you said, because I don't have children, well, made it real easy. I, I've sort of stayed in touch with some r women that I was involved in in the past. But, you know, now, now that I'm married, it's like, look, I'm busy. I've got other right. things. I'm spending my time on other things. And so it's not that I don't care about those people, but there's other people who I need to spend that time with. Yeah, you prioritize, know? you know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of what else we could talk about. What's next? What's next for you? Are you, you it seems like you got a comfortable place, a comfortable thing going in Boulders. You're not looking to move anywhere. No, I, I mean, one of the things I want to do, because I really haven't spent a lot of time in L.A., is go out to L.A. And I'm not crazy about that, but I do want to try to go out there and see if I can get something going there i just don't want to move out there and go stand in line at a club you know well what I, mean? I think that that's the hard part about los angeles is is that there's there's still that mentality of how to get successful but but even though the new the new way that you get it's always been get famous and right. sell tickets just like what you were just talking mm -hmm. about get famous by doing a tv show or a special or some movie right. part and then sell tickets because people want to come see you at the comedy club. But now there's so many other ways to get famous, like you know YouTube and yeah. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and podcasts and all those other things. And so I sort of feel like um, I don't I don't know how to advise anybody now. But I feel like man, if you're in a comfortable spot and you're generating new material and you're supporting yourself doing comedy, don't give up that to to put right. yourself in some what you think is a better geographical spot for lightning to strike you, you know? Yeah, I, I, I understand that too. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that when I go out there, I do, I want a reason to go, not just, you know, to go there. It has to be something, somebody running a little interference for me or something, you know? Well, I talked to, you know, Troy Walker, who's the young comic right. from here, who's really hot. He's come out and he's been on my podcast. And I, I really like Troy and I really think his act is yeah, great. And I think funny. he's got a 
big future ahead of him. But he's a young guy, so he's coming out there and they're seeing him maybe for the first time. Right. It's fun to go out and do all the little shows in town, the hipster shows. They don't really pay very much, but sometimes mm -hmm. people are paying attention and might see you there. It's 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 a fun thing to do, but is you know, it's hard to know. Like what I, I'm at the point in my life where I'm trying to spend my time doing this friend of mine told me this thing, and this would be 20 years ago, but she said, if it's not fun, don't do it. Right. You know, is it fun? Yeah, I'll do it. And then you know you're getting out of it exactly what you wanted, and everything else is gravy, you know? Yeah. If it's fun, if it's fun to go to L.A. and do those, those little rooms and have a good time and see your L.A. friends and stuff, then do it. But uh, if it's not fun, I mean, it's not, it, it's, trust me, it is not fun to move to L.A. and have a crappy apartment and be struggling to get... Right you know, four spots a week on stage or three. Yeah. And that's the thing too. And that, you know, and it's funny to say it this way, but it's sort of the same thing that you were saying is I feel, you know, like I'm going to be selfish with my time at this point in my life. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm doing comedy five, six nights a week when I'm in town going out on the road. So why not be selfish with it and do the things that I want to do? You know, I'd love to get some management, but I think, it's going to be a really special relationship. It's got to be someone who sees something in me that, you well, know. Well, I've got a manager that I really like that I've been with for years. But the main quality that she has, I mean, she's great and very effective right. and she's got good connections and all of that. But the main thing that's valuable to me is that she believes in me and she cares about me. Right. And that's, and that's it's really I mean. hard to find. Yeah. That. And especially, I mean, I'm not putting myself down, but so, they're not looking for guys like me. They're looking for guys like Troy. You know what I mean? And well, he's a young guy with a lot of, you know, right. I mean, yeah, they're, I'm they're not thinking putting myself like, hey, down. if we make this guy a star, we can we can milk this cow for 40 more right. years. If yeah, they make they, you a star, <laughs> it's like, hey, this he, we better cash in fast yeah, on this guy. What if something goes wrong? I right. Mean, yeah, it's true, you know. He's not going to be able to wear those tights forever, you know. No, but you're still going to be... You're going to be... I just would love to see you stretched out on that hippie man. Is that on the internet? Can people see you uh, flying as hippie man no, on the top of a stool? I, I've got to find some video and put it on there. Oh, you definitely yeah, do. Especially do. now that we've had this conversation. Oh, totally. I just like People I know are listening to this like... God, I can't believe that we can't watch that. I <laughs> yeah. can't believe I can't see him in that American flag bikini bottom thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on there. Yeah, please. Yeah, I've please. got to. Well, I think it's time for us to eat some dinner. What do you think? I think so. All right. Well, John, thank you for being on the podcast. Is there anything else? To, what can we plug? Let's plug some things for you. Um, Hippieman.com. Uh, is a big one. You and know. John Novosad on Facebook. Yeah, John Novosad on AKA Facebook. Hippie Man. And if you know anybody at Facebook, you can message them. And tell them, hey, give me back Hippie Man. But the funny thing is, if I got it back, I don't know if I'd want it back now. That's that's the big... Well, that is the funny thing yeah. about Give Me Back Hippie Man is a pretty good t-shirt. That is, yeah. Yeah. Give Me Back Hippie Man. That is a good t-shirt. Well, I usually like a high five at the end of the show. All right. High five. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Thank you. Whoa, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. How do you get this thing to turn on? 
Yeah, give me back Hippie Man. That was Hippie Man, John Novosad, N-O-V-O-S-A-D, if you're looking it up on your Facebook right now. Hey, thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. And please come out to a show for a high five. I did take a uh, photo with a listener when I was in Columbus, Ohio, a photo of a high five. Boy, there there is something that you really got to look forward to in your scrapbook is here's some pictures of some great high fives that I've done. I wish I had pictures of all my high fives. I really do. I'd make them into a little gif. And I'd who would watch that? I don't know. Would it just be me at bedtime? Don't don't make me feel like that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to give up, though. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'm going to post this post-haste because I know it's been a while. And I appreciate your patience and all of your other wonderful qualities that I know that you have there in the dark, warm pocket of your soul that you um, keep your feelings for me. Thank you. And uh, I will uh, talk to you soon.